You'll find in your bulletin uh, the notes, sermon notes on one side, and uh, the small group questions for this week are on the other side. How to handle money. What a topic. Last week, you still love me, right? I poked a little bit last week, and uh, I... uh, I hope that you, um, I hope that you receive all of this in the spirit in which I, I give it. I say, sometimes when somebody like me gets up and talks about generosity and giving, people think that there's like a, you know, there's an angle to it, you know, that uh, I'm I'm doing it for personal gain or something, and I, I, I want you to know that. It's not for personal gain that I encourage people to be generous. Why I encourage people to be generous is for your own personal gain. Amen? You become a better person when you're generous. You make a greater impact on this world when you're generous. You change yourself. You bless others and you in turn are blessed in a whole new way when you're generous. So today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about how to handle our money, because how we handle our money actually matters to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but it does. How we handle money matters to him. It's more of a spiritual issue, actually, than a lot of, that a lot of people, a lot of believers even think. It, it matters a lot, and it says something about our connection and our relationship to God with how we're dealing with our money. There's hundreds of scriptures in the Bible, hundreds that talk about money. Jesus talked about it a lot. He talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell. Did you know that? He talked about money a lot and, and, and money principles a lot. Why? Because it matters. That's why. It matters to God. It's such a huge part of our lives. We need it, we want it, and we seemingly... Never have enough. Okay, well, maybe you guys do, but uh, most people don't. You know, it, it's such a huge, huge part of our lives. Money is not evil. The Bible doesn't say that money is evil. It says the love of money, right, is, is the root of evil. It can take you down all kinds of roads. But we need money. We, we need it. The kingdom needs money. We need money. And, 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 and it's wise and good to handle our money in, in, uh, in a good way, obviously. Jesus wants us, he, he wants to make sure that we live free. That's the thing, that we live free. And when we're in heavy debt, when we're struggling to pay our bills, when all these things take place, it steals generosity out of our heart because you feel like, how can I be generous when I have nothing to give? Ever been in that spot? Like, this is, this is it, it matters. These things matter. So, but I, I believe very sincerely, God wants us to live free so that we can serve him. And he wants to make sure that we, we, we keep him as God and not make money our God. Look at this, uh, these uh, few verses in Luke chapter 16. It says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? 
And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When you are living and given, I I say when you're living and given right, when you are living and given right, you can expect to be blessed. Help me out now. Help me out. Is that true? Then help me out. Come on. When you are living and given right, you can expect the blessing of God to be on you. It's just going to happen. Uh, there's, a, there's a man who really uh, sort of enriched our lives a few years ago, Helen and I. His name is Clive Pick, and he wrote a, he's written books, and he's a financial guy. Anyway, he, he has this term that he, he describes it. He calls it open heaven. That's what he calls it, open heaven. And basically, he's saying, if you're living and given right, the doors and the windows of heaven are open upon you, meaning you can expect to be blessed, right? And so we, uh, we had him at our old church in Burlington a number of years ago. And uh, anyway, he's t- he, he talks about stuff that we all know, you know, like we have a heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts. We have a heavenly father who knows how to look after his own we, and, and all these things. But his, his enthusiasm for giving and generosity, it really inspired us. It was, I think it was a whole weekend thing. I think it was a Friday night, a little Saturday thing during the day, and then he spoke in church on, on Sunday morning, and he was, he was talking about all of this. And so this is, this, is, this is one of my stories. This is one of our stories that, that was funny. So he was on Sunday morning encouraging the people you know, make sure you live with an open hand. Be generous, right? Live and give right, and open heaven will be upon you, right? And he's talking about open heaven, open heaven in this phrase a lot. So we were meeting him that Sunday for lunch after service. We were responsible to take him for lunch. And so, um, of course, we got caught in the church talking, shocking that that would happen to us. And, uh, and so we were a little bit behind getting to the restaurant. And uh, if you know Burlington, the place where we were going... It's in, a little, uh, it's in a little plaza, this restaurant we were going to. But the plaza is notorious for being jammed, especially on Sundays, meaning like the chances of you getting a parking spot in there are really, really remote, okay? Like you have to understand how it's, it's legit. So we're late, okay? We pull into the parking lot. He's in the restaurant waiting for us, okay? We circle once, no spots in the entire place. And we say to each other, hey, wait a minute wait a minute, wait a minute, he just taught us something. We're living and given, right? We should expect open heaven. God, open heaven. Could you give us a parking spot, please? We turned the corner. A guy was backing out right in front of the front door of the restaurant. I mean, the, the spot right beside the handicapped spot. You know what I'm saying? We went, we looked at each other, went, that just worked. And we were laughing and carrying on. We went and said, Clive, we were walking around. Like, we were driving around. We didn't have a parking spot. We said, Lord, how about a little open heaven? It's a little blessing to give us a parking spot. And boom, we got the best one in the whole plaza. It was amazing. And so, so so we're really, I know that seems small to you, but over the course of the weekend, it became important to us. So we're living this whole week out. 
So this is Sunday, and we're looking at our lives going, open heaven, Lord. What blessings, what blessings are we receiving? What, what do you want to give us today if we're, we're going to keep living? and give, We're not perfect, but we're living and giving the best we can, you know? So Friday rolls around. This is like, this is like five days later after the Sunday. And I'm coming home uh, from the church, or I don't know what it was, but we decided we were going to get pizza for dinner that night. The boys were smaller, and we could get away with two larges. <laughs> Cannot get away with two larges now. It's more like three, sometimes four, right? But back then, we could get away with two. So we ordered two large pizzas. There was a little pizza shop right around the corner from our house. So we order the pizza. Uh, I go, and I go and pick it up. I walk in. The place is really busy. And he sees me. And he goes, hey, hey, here's your pizza. And he gives me the two. And I walk out the door. I didn't open them or anything. I walk out the door. And I get back home. I drop them on the table. And I open the lid. And he'd given us, he'd given us the wrong pizza. And so I closed the lid up. I went right back to the shop, and I said, hey, man, I said, you gave, me the, you gave me two large pizzas. They weren't mine. And he goes, I know. He goes, oh, man, sorry, dude. I, I realized that when you walked out the door. And I said, well, what are we going to do? He goes, oh, here's your two here. And I go, well, what am I going to do with these two? He goes, well, I can't take them back. He goes, they're yours. Be blessed. <laughs> and I, so I came home. I come home with four. And Helen says, what are you doing with four large pizzas? I said, open heaven. (laughs) Open heaven, right? When you're living and giving right, come on. You can expect the blessing of God to be on your life. Look for it. Ask him for it. Lord, need a little help here. Need a little help here. And he will deliver more often. You will blow your mind. Use that phrase, a little open heaven, Lord, just a little open heaven. We need to bring Clive here one day, and, uh, and uh, he'll, 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 he'll really bless you. By the way, just a quick aside, coming up in September, I have booked a man to come to speak. His name's Ron Davis, and he's going to be here the end of September. And he is a financial uh, guy. He's from the, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. He comes and does teaching on, on giving and... Um, Uh, planning and stewardship and all that stuff. But why I'm mentioning it now is one of the services that he offers for free, everyone say for free, okay? He will stay here for the week and take appointments for anybody in the church who needs a will. And he will do it for free. A complete legal will, you'll get it all documented. He records it. It's all all good. So, yeah. So, if... uh, if you don't have a will, please don't die before September. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm having a little bit of fun, but it's, 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 it's a little bit serious. Please look after yourself, and please look after your will, all right? It's important to have a will. And so, but uh, in all sincerity, if you do not have a will... Come September, oh, and you, we'll, we'll announce it as he's getting closer. You'll hear him speak and give his teaching on Sunday morning, and we'll have a sign-up sheet for anybody who wants to make an appointment with him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. He'll stay here all week long, he said, and he'll make appointments and uh, help anybody who needs a will, and he'll do it all for free. So um, if you need one, please, please do that in September. So that's an aside. So... Open heaven. 
So there's many people who have testimonies. Many things have happened in our lives that, that reflect God's provision, his, his goodness, his blessing. Things that we know absolutely 100% were God. You can drive around a parking lot, okay, and just think you got lucky because a guy backed out just in the nick of time. Or you can say, no, you know what? We asked for it and God gave it to us, right? You, you can just say you got lucky and got two extra pizzas, or you can say, Lord, we're living and giving right. We're expecting open heaven over our lives and over, over our church and over our home. And guess what? He gives it to you. And so this is, this is important. And I thought it would be neat for you to hear a couple of testimonies of God's provision in people in our church that have, have had things happen to them that were absolutely God. And um, there's two. Who wants to go first? How about the Gagnons? The Gagnons have a story. Come on up. You're coming up alone? All right. Thank you, sir. No accidents in church. No accidents. No, not till I get that will. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> that was that. That's a good segue. Yeah, that's good. Uh, hello, everyone. God is good. Hugh um, often says, "I hope I got this right." Is that better? Mm-hmm. Hugh often says, "I can't afford not to tithe." Throughout this testimony. We tithed. So about a week or two after our son, Rob, he's uh, the middle child. We have three. Uh, he got home from uh, Redeemer, and we, uh, I got a call from the university saying that uh, OSAP made a mistake, and they didn't charge... Um, that didn't pay $3,500. So it was over to us. And I said, we don't have that money. But we'll pray and ask God for wisdom. So now any of you who need wisdom, go to James 1.5. And it says that if you need wisdom, ask and he'll give it to you. But ask believing. Read it. We um, base that on our lives. So then in early June, got another call from Redeemer. And she said, what did God say? And I says, well, we prayed and God said, wait and see that God is good. But that's all. (laughs) We don't have the money. And she says, well, I'm going to have to take them off the enrollment list. I said, you do that. That's only fair to the other students. She said, but I want you to know that if you get the money, he was to go back the Monday of the Labor Day weekend. If you get the money, just come out. Don't bother calling. Just show up. We want Rob here at our university. And we want you to know we're praying. So... And throughout this time, Rob had peace. And he said, you know what? The Lord has called me to Redeemer. 
I know I'm going back. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I'm going back. So many times throughout the next couple of months, we'd pray. And God again and again and again would say, wait and see that God is good. Two weeks before, the Saturday, two weeks before the Labor Day weekend, we prayed again. And God said that Hugh and Rob were to fast lunch and pray six days of the week. Not on Sunday, but the other six days they were to do that. So the fasting began and the praying began. Well, we got to the Saturday of the Labor Day weekend, and we prayed again, Lord, what should we do? And God said, pack. It's a step of faith. We didn't have the money, (laughs) but we packed everything up just as if we did. So he was all ready Saturday night to go. Sunday morning, we went to church. Partway through the service, Pastor Jean called all the university students that were going back to university that year up to the platform. Rob went up, because of course he's going. <laughs> and uh, Pastor Jean asked, talked to each one and prayed with them. And he got to Rob and he said, uh, where are you going? And Rob said, Redeemer University. And he said, well, I happen to know there's a need here. What do you need, Rob? Rob said, I need $3,500. And both you and I thought, well, it's a lot more than that. We've got to pay for this year, too. And we just don't have the money. But you know, Lord. Well, on the way out after the service, this man came rushing through the pews. And he said, the debt of 2000 is called is paid for. My wife and I and another couple are paying $1,000 each. So that 2000 is paid for. The church, by the way, gave Rob a check for 1500 from the church. So that covered that 3500 And he says, anything else that comes in will just be icing on the cake. Well, people started handing money to Rob. We got home, and there was an envelope in our mailbox. And on it, it said, God is good. And inside was $500. So we went back to church that night. It was the uh, corn roast. And Pastor Jean said, don't leave. People have been turning money in all day to the church. And we have a check for you. So don't leave without seeing me. So afterwards, Rob and Pastor Jean opened that that, uh, envelope with the check in it. And I saw they started jumping up and down. I said, what's going on here? There was enough money to cover all that year he needed. His books, his food, everything. And there was even money left over. For him to have spare money, spending money. God is good. 
Hallelujah. And, it, you know, it doesn't end there. We got out to the university, and just remember that uh, they had him off the enrollment list, right? So what university is going to have room for Rob? <laughs> we got out there, and we paid the, the last year the, what OSAP didn't pay, and we paid this year's, and we went over. They had a dorm room for him. He needed a dorm. He didn't drive. They had a dorm room for him. Everything he needed was supplied by God. God is good. And again, as Hugh says, I can't afford not to tithe. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And Wendy. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. We just love having Anne and Hugh in our small group. If you're not in a small group, please get in one. It's, you just make such wonderful friends. And as Pastor Jeff has said and as Helen and as Anne has shown, heaven can open up and come right to you. I have two financial miracles that I want to share. Mine starts back 32 years ago in 1987. John and I had just got saved through the television program 100 Huntley Street. We were living in Scarborough at the time. We had two children, Ben and Marilyn, age 10 and 6, and we immediately started to attend church. It was Aging Court Pentecostal Church. We immersed ourselves in both Sunday morning and evening services, a midweek service, a weekly home gathering, and adult and children's Sunday schools. We had a newfound joy and hope, but I was sick. I was physically burnt out. For 13 years, John and I had been married and trying to do it our own way, but now we were experiencing the Lord. I had run myself into the ground, and leading up to this time, with both our incomes, we had been living paycheck to paycheck. Money was very tight, and now my income had stopped completely. We were in real financial trouble. I carefully worked out our expenses to the penny. That's how tight it was, and I reported to John just to pay the bills each month, we're short $367.93. And 32 years ago, that was a lot of money. I was scared. I felt beaten. I felt we were going to drown. I remember John calmly looked at me and he said, let's do what they've been telling us at church. Let's pray and give this matter to God. I thought, okay. I remember John took my hand and guided me to kneel by our bed. Then John simply prayed, Dear Lord, your word says we are to cast all our cares upon you. Wendy can't work right now. I'm doing all I can, but it's not enough. We're short $367.93 just to pay the bills. We give this problem to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. The next day, I got a call from a lawyer. He asked, are you Wendy Bacola? I said, yes. He asked further, do you know Lenore Drury? I said, yes. I worked with her for three years a while back. And he said, well, you must have meant a lot to her because she passed away in April and she's left you beneficiary. He paused as though waiting for an answer or a response, but I couldn't say anything. <laughs> then he continued, it's very straightforward. You are the stated beneficiary, so the money will go directly to you. How much is it? I finally asked. Well, it's actually an insurance policy with an annuity plan. It will come monthly for the next four years. Every month for the next four years? I was beginning to understand. In what amount? I finally asked. Let me see. He said, it says here it'll be $367.93. Heaven had opened. Yes, yes. God had answered our prayer specifically and personally. Our faith went through the roof. I was paid to get well, and I recovered completely. Thank you, Jesus. My second financial miracle I call potatoes. It's now 10 years later. We were still very involved in the church, attending regularly every week. And we'd been gloriously blessed with two more children, Matthew and Jasmine, now bringing us to four kids. It was summer when my piano teaching income dwindles to nothing and expenses were high. I was feeling very frustrated. I cried out to the Lord. All we have to eat every day is macaroni. Why can't I have some potatoes? I just want to make potato salad. I was in a real pity party. Have you ever been there? (laughs) That evening, John came home from work with a plain white plastic bag in his hand. He held it out to me. Here, these are for you. A lady came into the store today and said, take these home to your wife. They're fresh out of my garden. I looked in the bag, and there were a dozen new white potatoes. (laughs) My jaw dropped. But instead of feeling thankful and amazed, I got angry. Potatoes, I yelled. Why can't you just send a million dollars and be done with it? (laughs) Oh, I was angry. I felt God was making fun of me. I went into a real hissy fit. The next morning, I still couldn't shake my anger, and I knew I better get help. 100 Huntley Street had a 24-7 prayer line. I often called them. They were my lifeline. I decided to call them again. This time, a gentleman kindly answered the phone. What can I pray for you today, he asked. All I said was, I love the Lord, but I'm under real financial pressure, and my attitude is terrible. I'm angry. I know it's wrong, and I don't want to feel this way. I'm so sorry. Please help me. Financial pressure is a real burden, the man said with compassion. I understand, and so does God. Let's pray. 
The man then began to praise God, saying, Oh, Lord, you made the heavens and the earth. You promised you will never leave us nor forsake us. You meet all our needs through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everything in all creation is yours. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. And then he paused and said, And all the potatoes under them. Then he apologized. He said, I'm so sorry. He says, I don't know where that came from. (laughs) I do, I said, and I started to laugh. I felt all the frustration leave. God had again spoken to me directly, personally, intimately through that prayer warrior. I felt so loved, so assured, so at peace. I was totally healed of my anger. And I have been ever since. I can trust him, and so can you. Amen. So those are, those are a couple, and I know there's more. I know there's more. But I can't give it all to you in one day. But there are, great things that happen in our lives. And uh, I, I would like to see more testimonies rise up from the house. Amen? Amen. That this, it's, it's, this is what it does. It builds our faith. And it encourages us that if God can do that, you know, for Rob Gagnon, he can do it for me. Right? If God can do that for John and Wendy Bacola, he can do that for you too. And this is, it's important to hear the story. So anyway, let me, let me wrap up with these quick five, five points. Some wise principles on how we can handle our money. And you'll see in, in your notes there. The first one I wrote down was give some. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 7, it says, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your, your love from us. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. As Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to give. He's encouraging them to give because it's important to give. Even out of our need, even out of our need, right? It's important to give. It keeps our trust where it needs to be. Focus clearly on God, not resting on our money. He is more important to us, and, and, and it teaches us in giving even out of a need to stay generous, even when we don't have a lot. The giving doesn't need to be huge, but we're, we're still called to give and to live generously even when we feel like we're tight. Give from what you have, right? We talked about last week. Give from what you have, not from what you don't have. Blessings follow people who give. When the word says that it's more blessed to give, than to receive. There's a truth to that, amen? Yes? That when we give, and you know that the gift is deeply appreciated, there's a joy that wells up. We talked about that last week, that there's there's that remnant of the image of God in us that knows this is right, that this is the right way to live. If you want to see some really great inspirational stories, go to that website, ilikegiving.com, and you'll see uh, Catherine's story, I Like Car, 
you'll see there's a, there's a lady, a 98-year-old woman. It's called I Like 98. And, and how she's serving and giving to those around her. Amazing stories on that website. Little like about little three, four, five-minute clips. And uh, well worth your time. Ilikegiving.com. It, it'll bless you. Give some. It's important. And there's something right about it. Amen? Give some. Second, save some. Proverbs 21.20. It says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. You know, the stats say that about 80% of us will experience a major negative financial event approximately every 10 years. Uh, the severity will, will vary, but it'll be, it'll be a, a fairly negative financial event every 10 years. It'll be something like a job layoff. It'll be an unexpected big repair, a roof, a car, something like that. That, that will go wrong unexpectedly about every 10 years, 80% of us will experience something like that every 10 years. So it's the classic, we need to put something away for the rainy day. And so it's, it's important to save some. It's a wise principle of how to handle our money. And it'd be okay to retire with a little bit of money too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so start saving now. You know, just a little bit every month when you're young, it adds up very quick by the time you get to 65, 70 years old. And so I, I encourage you to save some. It's important. Just a little bit adds up over the course of time. Now, I know what some of you are saying. I know. This is why we're going to get into 3, 4, and 5 right here next. But some say, well, I'd like to give more, but I can't because, you know, I, I just don't have a lot. You're, it's a joke for you to say save some. How can I save some when I'm literally living Paycheck to paycheck, cent to cent. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't save a dollar, right? Well, here's other steps towards handling your money properly. Conquering your debt as the pin drops in the house. Yeah. Conquering your debt. Proverbs 22.7, put that up for me. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is, lend, is servant to the lender. See what he's saying? The borrower is like a slave to the person that he owes money to. So debt is this crushing thing to people. And if we don't get it under control, if we don't conquer it, right, we can't live free. We can't live generous. When MasterCard is our master, we have a problem. Correct? Right? When we overspend and put it on a card, right, what it... I mean, here's the truth. Uh, If we carry a credit card balance, it means that we've overspent, right? It means we don't have the money to pay it all off. And so we carry this balance, and then they charge you an obscene amount of money, right? 28 or whatever it is percent. You know, know, uh, have you ever looked to get a, a Visa or a MasterCard bill and say, you know, the minimum payment is whatever, and if you make the minimum payment, how long it would take you to pay that off? Have you ever looked at that on your statements? It, it's shocking. You can, like, honestly, you can have, like, $500 on your visa. Pay $10 a month. It'll take you 32 years to pay it off. You know, like, it's crazy. I don't know if that's real, but it's, like, crazy like that, okay? It's crazy. Debt needs to be conquered, right? The Bank of Canada, I was looking at the Bank of Canada this week, looking at some stats 
um, for the average Canadian household. And it says right now we're at a record high for Canadian debt. Not just the government, but household debt. We're, we're, there's more household debt in Canada now than ever in the history of our country, right? For it says the average, uh, the average household debt in Canada right now is 170% of our disposable income. So what that means is this. In other words, for every dollar that we make, we owe $1.70. That's the state of affairs that we're in right now. That's the average Canadian household. If you dig deeper into the stats, I don't want to bore you, but if you dig deeper into the stats, that's an average. So that's taking in people that have no debt, people that have very little debt. There's people who are on the other extreme end who are swimming in debt. And in fact, it says almost 10%, 8 or 8 or 9% of our country, 8 or 9% of our households have a 350% debt. That means for every dollar they make, they owe 350. This is a crushing problem, church. It's a crushing problem. And we got to get it under control. We have to live free. We have to make sure Jesus is the only master, right? So we're at this all-time high for household debt. It's a really serious problem. But sometimes... Some of this debt that we carry, it happens. Life happens. We lose a job. Like I said, a major financial downturn happens in our lives. That happens. But we all know this. There are many times in our lives when we just make a bad decision. Hang our heads in shame. We just make a bad decision. Sometimes several. And we have buyer's regret and live to woe the day that we did that, all right? Sometimes we just make poor decisions. Do you know what you, you know what? Here's a, here's a deep, deep thought. Just came to me this, this week and I was thinking about it. Do you know what you have? Do you know what you have if you don't have payments? Money. It's deep, I know. Just think about it. Go home and contemplate it, Right? You don't have payments. You have money. This is, I'm joking, but this is an area that we need to conquer. And if you need help, please don't be too proud to ask for it. Let's conquer this because we need to live free in Jesus' name. There's good, there, there obviously is, they talk about good debt or bad debt and all this kind of stuff. So, I'm, you know, we pay a mortgage and what... Uh, the way even Dave Ramsey talks about debt is, and others talk about debt, bad debt is debt that you actually can't afford. A mortgage is a financial obligation. So if you're paying your mortgage every single month and you're doing so, that's not bad debt. That's good debt. That's an investment, right? That's an obligation that you're meeting. This is talking about debt that you can't pay, obligations that you can't meet, and then you start getting another card and running up debt and making bad decisions and digging yourself into a hole that's very difficult to get out of. So it's, it's definitely something we need to keep in mind. Uh, four, make a plan. Make a plan. Luke chapter 14 says this, verse 28. It's going to come. There you go. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. 
Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Otherwise, or they, there you go, they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Imagine if we poured the foundations here and said, oh, by the way, we completely miscalculated. That's all the money we have. It would be, what's wrong with you guys? Did nobody make a plan? Did nobody think about this? Did nobody, like, you know, think ahead, like calculate, count the cost, get quotes? Like, how did you make that happen, right? But to handle our money personally, it's still important to make a plan, right? And here's the thing. People go, yeah, but I don't have a lot of money. But this is the thing. The less money you have, the more important it is to make a plan. If you have extra, you can make a mistake or two. You can make a splurge here and there. If you're tight... You need a plan. Make a plan, Stan, and stick to it, right? Make a plan. You know, um, we we need to balance our own budget. Governments would be better if they did, right? We would be better if we did. We need to balance our budget, right? We need to know what our income is. We need to know what our expenses are. John Maxwell actually said this. He said, a budget is people telling their money what to do, instead of wondering where their money went. And uh, he, he's bang on. See, once the facts are known, in, in, then in order to balance your budget, like you may have to, how do, you, how do you make a plan? How do you balance your budget? Now, here's deep, okay? Here's very deep. You might want to write this down. But there's only two things you can do. You either, you got to cut your expenses or you have to increase your income. Yes, nod at me. That's how, that's, that's making a good plan, right? How we balance our budget, right? So if you can't increase your income, then you've got to cut your expenses, right? Like, do you really need the big cable package? Do you really need it? Do you, you know, could you get a part-time job to bump up your income a little bit? You know, I, I remember a friend of ours in Ottawa, he uh, was a business owner and uh, was struggling a little bit. And he's a grown man and and said, I have to generate some more income. So you know what he did? Went out, got a paper route. Went out with his car, drove pizza delivery on the weekends. Did what he had to do in order to get over the tough spot that he was in. We can do stuff. Don't think you can't. You can. You can make cuts and you can increase. And we have to find a way to balance our budget. Make a plan. So... If, if, if you don't have a plan, please ask for help, and we'll find somebody to help you make a plan. Make a plan. It's important. And last, stop borrowing and start paying back. Psalm 37.21 says, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Meaning, we repay, right? We repay. I was telling Jordan this week, there was a story I read of a young man who said that his goal, this is a true story, a pastor was telling this story, so it must be true. He was telling this story about this, about this, uh, <laughs> it must be true. Right. And he was telling this story about this young man in his church, and he said the young man came to him at the end of a men's Bible study one night, and he said, Pastor, one of the goals in my life was to be $1 million in debt by the time I'm 30. It's a true story. And he said, 
And then he goes, yeah, you know, then I was just going to declare bankruptcy and just uh, walk away from all, the whole, all of the debt. But he said, something happened to me. I found Jesus. Started going to church. Came to the pastor and he said, I'm more than halfway there, pastor. I'm over $500,000 in debt and I realize now this is wrong and I need to repay. He made a plan and he began to repay his debt. This is what believers do. We're men and women of integrity right? We, we, we need to pay back. It's right to pay back our debts. The wicked, the word says, the wicked borrow and never repay, but believers should repay. And you've got to stop borrowing before you can start digging yourself out, right? If you keep digging the hole deeper, it's, it, it, you can't dig the hole deeper and climb out at the same time, right? So the first thing we have to do is stop borrowing and start paying back. So if you have to put the card away, Cut it into pieces, put it in a drawer, give it to me, I'll keep it locked up for you, you know? Like, I won't use it, I'll just lock it up in the church safe for you, it'll be safe, you know? We'll just keep it until you're ready. Like, we can't get out of a hole if we keep digging ourselves into a hole, correct? So we, we, we have to stop. We have to stop. Make a plan and figure out how we can start repaying. So... I, I know people uh, sometimes feel like it's so hopeless, like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But I'm here to tell you there is. I've seen remarkable turnarounds. I've seen great things happen. If people put just wise, godly, biblical principles, just common sense financial principles into play, God begins to bless. God begins to help. And you can dig yourself out of a hole that you got yourself into. Now look, sometimes, usually, it takes a while to dig ourselves in. And you know it's going to take a little while to dig ourselves out. And so this is, this is why people pay the lottery, right? Because if I can get a million dollars, then, you know, everything is... And it, it doesn't usually play out that way. It takes a while to get yourself into it, and it usually takes a while to get yourself out of it. And so I'm encouraging us as believers... We have to have integrity. Money matters to God. If he wants us to be generous, if he wants us to be givers of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure, our money, then we have to handle it well. We have to be good stewards with every blessing that the Lord has poured into our lives. We have to, in this instance here, we have to stop the bleeding. How, what's the first step to heal the wound? Stop the bleeding, right? Stop the bleeding, and then let healing begin to occur. So stop the borrowing, and let's figure out a plan and figure out a way we can start digging ourselves out rather than digging ourselves in. God's people said yes. That's the truth today.